Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to to enjoy inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to for Uh, small business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, sales professionals, really business leaders in general. And that is because of the guests who join me to have a conversation. These are folks who have expertise in a particular area of business, and they spend some time with me. They give us their time and their knowledge so that you learn the things that you need to know so you can do better things in your business. Today is no different. Today, my guest is Monica Shaw. After getting her MBA from Kellogg School of Management and in her first year as a business owner, Monica was $25,000 in debt. After paying close attention to her numbers and identifying what made money the fastest, she was able to end up with no debt and $12,000 in savings. Since founding Revenue Breakthrough, Monica has become an expert at helping people and businesses free themselves from debt and grow revenue. Thanks so much for joining me today, Monica. I'm so excited to be here. I am thrilled to have you here. Money is such a big topic, um, especially for entrepreneurs. So Monica, I'm curious, why do so many entrepreneurs seem to struggle with money? Well, it's just, it's interesting because there are really two taboos in our society sex is one of them and money is another. And so we grow up being told that you can't talk about money. Like you're not allowed to ask your mom, how much money does, does daddy make or your dad, how much money does mommy make or why can they buy these things? And I can't buy these things. And in fact, if I, usually when I'm in a room of people and I ask people to raise their hands, if they got in trouble when they were little for asking about money, usually half the hands go up. And it go and then it really like goes into adulthood. Like, you know, if you, if your friend gets a raise at work and you go over to your friend and you're like, you know, you buy him a drink or whatnot, you're not like nuzzling up next to them and being like, so how much more do they give you? Right. It just, it's just not, it's not okay to talk about money. And then you become an entrepreneur and you become an entrepreneur. And suddenly like, it's like the day you become an entrepreneur. Now people tell you that you have to talk about money every day. You have to ask for money. You have to look at your numbers. You have to know things like revenue and expenses and profit and conversion rates. Suddenly it's this like huge switch 
where now you have to get comfortable with this thing that everyone else is afraid of. And in order for you to be successful, you have to somehow overnight lose your fear of money and get comfortable talking about it. And I call that the big bait and switch, the entrepreneurial bait and switch that we don't even realize happens to us. Um, and then we get to this place where we start avoiding things as entrepreneurs, like avoiding, avoiding sending your invoices out, avoiding negotiating, avoiding asking for money, avoiding raising your prices, avoiding looking at your mail, avoiding looking at your reports that your bookkeeper is sending you or inputting your numbers or even asking how much things are. And, and that leads to pretty dangerous situations as entrepreneurs. And it's all based on the fact that we just were never really we never really were trained to work with money and we were never, and we never really took the time to get comfortable with it, to get comfortable with asking for money and to be able to release our beliefs that are working for us around money. Wow. That makes so much sense to me. I never would have been able to see that connection, but when you say it, I completely get it. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting that, we make ourselves wrong for it every single day. I mean, entrepreneurs who say, you know, I'm just not good at math or I'm not good at numbers, yeah. you know, or, or just today I had a conversation with someone who said, yo, I've never made more than $24,000 in my whole life. And I said, well, okay. And she said, and that's, you know, she was upset about that. I said, okay, great. So tell me about that. And she said, well, I'm a creative and I create things and I've done all these other things for other people, but I, you know, I just don't know how to do it for myself. And, and you know, what's so interesting is that there's also a taboo around quote unquote, getting good at business because people feel like, well, if I get good at business and she really was very clear, she's like, then I'm going to have to like give up everything I love. Like if I make money, then I'm suddenly like not doing it for the pleasure of it. I'm doing it for the business side of it. And there's that taboo too. So you combine that with this taboo around money and it's like, we've got this whole generation of entrepreneurs who, even if you are making money, are still really freaked out about it. Is there also something in there about thinking that you shouldn't be getting paid to do something that you do well? Absolutely. There's all kinds of money shame and money guilt, and it comes in so many various shapes and sizes. Like I have a great friend and he actually grew up in India and he grew up in a very wealthy family in India. Like his father and his mother were like the centers of the community and they had a big ranch and even their wedding was huge and they were sort of the pillars of the community. And so he really now, now he lives here and he has a technology company and he really struggles with charging the rates that he's supposed to charge. And when we got down to it, it was because he had this feeling like, well, I've done so well. My family was so well off. I already have had enough money. Like I, I don't deserve to be able to have more of it because I don't, I don't need more privilege. But what was interesting is that he was living a completely different lifestyle here and he didn't have any funding from his family. So he did need the money but he just had this belief system that was causing shame around it. And then there's the other aspect of it. And I'm just giving the two most common forms of it that I see. And that is, um, I have another client who's a shaman and she, uh, and she does workshops and she has faced quite a bit of uh, criticism, like uh, social media posts about um, her charging 
for her work because there's this belief that if you're truly doing something spiritual and shamanism is a pretty you know still a pretty deep spiritual practice right um that you that you can't charge money for it and then if you charge money for it it somehow makes it dirty right or it lessens it and so what's interesting about that is that if you have that belief like that belief i should what that belief is doing is it's causing this whole group of spiritual entrepreneurs to live on very little or no money. And then what's happening for them is that they're giving away their energy, their time and their services for so little that they're, and they're receiving so little that they're getting burnt out. And then they're, and because they're getting burnt out, we're losing them. We're losing their quality. We're losing their, their frequency. A lot of them don't end up doing it for very long. They end up just like retiring early. And I think it's a, um, it's a really, it's sad to see that happen. And I, and I think that also from my perspective, you know, I'm not like a spiritual healer, but I go to them. And the last thing I want to do is go to a burnt out, overgiving <laughs> healer. That's a very good point. That so is a very good point. Yeah, uh, so I think it's true. I mean, I just gave two examples there, but I could give so many because I literally do workshops about this all over the country now about these stories that we carry around money. And here's one that's actually really interesting. I w- and, and I think this is, you know, speaks to the root of where this all came from. I was in Italy this summer and I went to... Um, Florence, and that's the family of the Medici's. Like, I'm sorry, that's the home of the Medici's, which is, they were this huge family in Florence that was a very wealthy family that actually originally uh, started in wool and then went into banking. Now, here's the thing. Banking was thought of as being evil (laughs) for years, years and years, like being in the service of banking, like even dealing with money was thought of for years and charging interest was a crime. And so as this banking family, they grew incredibly wealthy. And like um, a lot of the museums and libraries around Europe, not just in Florence, but around Europe were built and funded by this family. So we went to this church in Florence and the woman looked up and around and she said, you know, they built this church so that they could go to heaven. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, because they had so much money, it was thought that you would for sure go to hell because you were doing so well. So the only way to get to heaven when you had money was to build a church. Wow. And I just thought, oh my gosh, like that, this was happening in the 13 and 1400s. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, <laughs> this is where it started. Talk about like ancestral beliefs, you know, I mean, like, no kidding. They, they built a lot of the museums and the churches and the libraries out of sheer guilt as a way to ensure that they would be able to get into heaven because otherwise they might not get into heaven because they had, they lived too good of a life. Wow. Okay. So, and you just, um, right before you told that story, you were, you said, you know, this is, here's a, here's a money story. So, yeah. Okay. So, so talk some about what a money story is and, and how it affects us. Sure. So the way I like to think about money story is actually I call them money voices. And okay. what, what I believe is that everybody has a, a long conference table. That's the way they're like 
the way I like to talk about the imagery of it is that we all have these like conference tables in our head, like office conference tables. And then there's chairs all around the conference table. And in every chair, there's a voice, right? And a character. And some voices and some of the characters may be yours. Some of them are voices like your mom's voice or your dad's voice. Some of them may be ancestral that you're not even aware of, things that happened to grandparents or great-grandparents. For those of you that believe in past lives, um, some of them may be carried in from past lives. Um, for those of you that believe in things like soul family and um, other planes, they could be voices from there. So it just really depends on your belief system. And there are voices there, and each of those voices is built with a story or are built from an experience. And uh, really where that all starts um, in this lifetime is that from the age of zero to seven, everything that you hear, everything that you see, and everything that you experience about money gets soaked into your brain. And from the ages of zero to seven, they you can't say no to anything. It just becomes a part of your experience. So all of those things turn into beliefs, habits, and values that you then carry for the rest of your life. And so, uh, so what's interesting is some of it's good, some of it's not good, that much of how we interact in our businesses around money, whether it be like prices or invoices or looking at numbers or sales conversations or marketing or putting ourselves out on social media, like so much of it is related to these voices in our heads that we're not all, you know, and the key is to become aware of it. Like what voice is dictating? what I'm doing right now? What voice is causing me to avoid looking at my numbers? What voice is causing me to be fearful when I go into a sales conversation? And that's the key piece of starting to understand why you might be doing something um, instead of trying to push beyond it. So much of entrepreneurship is about pushing. I'm going to push through it. I'm going to be fearless. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just get stuff done. And it's all about this sort of push, push, push energy. And what I found, because I've been in business for over 15 years now, and like there comes a time when you don't have that push energy left, <laughs> where it's like, it's like, you know what, you know, I can push through this for sure. I've done it before, but I don't want to do it anymore. Like I want to find uh, the place that's more in flow. I want to find the re the way that would make this path simpler. And a huge part of that is becoming aware of those experiences, of those voices and how they're dictating and what they're dictating to you um, that is making you feel fearful about something. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I mean, at some point, it, it's exhausting, right? So, so something's got to give and feels to me like being able to rewrite your money story is something that would be sort of liberate, you know, if you, if you have a, a difficult relationship with money, it would um, be liberating for you. Absolutely. And the way I like to do it is to create um, a new money voice. So, um, so this is sort of what it looks like is um, I had a client who was a creative entrepreneur. He's a movie, he's a producer, a film producer. And he had been working on a film for seven years and they were having trouble getting it out of production and into the film festivals. And when we started, and he is a, by day, he's a consultant. 
And when we started to talk about this, what we realized is that when he was growing up, his mom and dad had said, if you're creative, you're not going to make any money. And so therefore, he always felt like he had to have a day job and a plan B, and he never really gave full effort and energy to plan A, which was this film. And so when he finally realized that, we created a new voice. And and the new voice was, I can be creative and make tons of money. And the more creative I am, the more money I will make. And that gave him permission to really lean into finishing the movie. And he actually took work off, like, you know, took a sabbatical from work, finished the movie, and they actually played it at Tribeca and Berlin, the film festivals that got into both of those, and then it went into the theaters. And it was all about recognizing that little tiny voice that was holding him back. Wow, that's a great example. And that is such a weird thing that, that how we internalize those messages and don't even realize that we're doing it because we, can't, we don't, you know, connect it to our behavior until someone has that conversation with us. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's really about um, looking at, you know, what, what happened around money when you were growing up? What did, what did people say about it? What were the conversations like? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you say it's important to never say no when it comes to spending money. And I would love to know why that's important and how that is not a landmine. (laughs) I love that. How that is not a landmine. Um, It's true. I mean, because I think that the way you're thinking about it and the way many people think about it is sort of the traditional way, which is like, you have to have a budget. You have to say no sometimes. Right. And um, um, I, and, and much of that is like passed on from generation to generation of like, you have to live within your means. You have to be realistic about things. And I think there's a time and place for that. Here's what's interesting. Um, I believe that as entrepreneurs, we work, well, this isn't just a belief. This is a fact. We work our little tails off and, um, and we do. And in fact, I think we work much harder than people that have jobs and, there has to be a reason why you're doing what you're doing. And I think that we all go through different phases in our business. So the first couple years of your business, I call that the, like the, um, the, I just got married phase, right? Where it's like, you would do it for free. It's amazing. Oh, I, and another name I have for it is the romping through the fields phase where you're just like, I would, you know, I love this. I'm so excited. Like the very fact that you can sleep in on some days and eat lunch with whoever you want to and be able to take off early to go to an exercise class, which is something you've never been able to do before is enough, right? Like you don't even need to make money. <laughs> like it's not that important to you. Then after you go through the romping through the fields phase, you end up going, waking up to like, you know, reality, you know, a phase of reality. And usually that first phase of reality is when you're realize that you need to pay bills. Um, yeah. And sometimes it's hard to pay bills when you're just romping through the fields and you're not looking at money. Um, and I think that's phase one is like, is, or phase two is just needing to pay bills. Then phase three starts to come in when you start to really 
desire more stability. Like when you realize, oh, I really want to put money into my savings account and I want to put money into retirement and I want to be able to plan a vacation in nine months that I know I can pay for and I want to take time off and I want to have some, some sort of give back from this business. And that's when it becomes even more important to know how to consistently generate money. And so here's what's interesting is during those phases, phase two and three where reality starts to hit, what needs to happen in those phases is that you focus on generating revenue. And focusing on generating revenue often means that you have to do things that are outside of your comfort zone. Things like asking for money and doing sales conversations and being more visible and putting yourself out there in a big way. And that's what makes it so hard. It's not so much even that all entrepreneurs work more than other people who have other jobs. It's just the amount of fear that we face every day. <laughs> the amount of hurdles that we have to leap over. So getting back, and I am getting back to your original question, which is like, you know, why should you say I can't, you know, I never say no, is because what makes you keep going is your why. And for a lot of us, the why is connected to what you want to create. What do you want to buy? What do you want to do as a result of your business? And so I believe one way of really keeping that motive, that momentum going is to always say, I am, instead of saying, no, I can't have this, like, no, I can't have that new home. No, I can't go on vacation twice a year. No, I can't take four weeks at the beach. No, my kids can't, you know, go to any college they want to go to. To instead replace that with, I am working towards it, or I'm figuring out a way to do that. And to start really having everything be a possibility because it starts to connect the dots in terms of why do you do the things you do every day? Why should you pick up the phone when somebody's going to say no? Why should you look for speaking events when most people ignore your emails? Well, because you're working towards something that is meaningful for you, something that you want to have in your life, something that you want to buy or experience. That's interesting. See, it's about mindset, right? It's a totally other way of looking at it. Absolutely. It's, it's because I feel like as entrepreneurs, we, we work so hard and we're so strict with ourselves and we're always trying to do better and have the perfect morning routine and the perfect evening routine and take all the perfect courses that it's like, if you're then saying no to yourself over and over and over again, on top of that, it's just, it can make, it can make you just want to like stop <laughs> um, and not do it anymore. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Talk to me about cash flow because this is something like when I work with my clients, this is, I think, one of the biggest issues they have that they cannot maintain a consistent cash flow. So it's like they're always chasing getting caught up and then they never can. What is going on there? Well, I think it's important to understand when we're talking about cash flow, I think the first piece that's important to understand is cash. Like what is going to bring money into your bank account? And there's only one action that brings money into your bank account and that's asking for money, period. One action. <laughs> We all complicate this, right? We, I literally, again, had another conversation today with someone who's like, but I need to get my verbal message down and I need to figure out what my website looks like and I need to write my book. And I'm like, no, no, you don't need to do all of that. You just need to start asking for money. And, uh, and I think that 
again, it all relates back to the beginning of the conversation. So let's get more specific about asking for money. You know, there's two ways to ask for money. You either ask for it one-to-one, um, like you're asking an individual person for it, or you do it one-to-many, which means you ask in front of a group of people, whether that be through a speaking event or on a stage or through a video or through a webinar. And when it comes down to it, the only way that you will make consistent income in your business is if you're asking for money at least three times a week between now and the rest of your business. And most entrepreneurs are doing everything but that. I mean, even I, like as a pretty big business owner, right? I, I, we crossed seven figures in 2013. We've been a seven figure plus company ever since. It is still, it is so easy for me to get up and spend the week just getting stuff done, but not asking for money. <laughs> um, and then it, and it can even be so fulfilling because the getting stuff done, like writing our articles and shooting our videos and having meetings with our team, you know, none of that includes rejection. Uh, right. but, but doing the sales, doing the ask, that includes rejection. It, it includes putting yourself out there. And so it's very easy to avoid that part. So when you're talking about consistent income, when I mentioned doing three sales conversations a week, most people who aren't consistently doing that, the next question they ask me is, well, you know, when I get a sales conversation, I do really well. And that's true. Most ah. people do do well when they get sales conversations because they're waiting for referrals to get sales conversations or they're waiting for people who know them to come in for sales conversations. So of course your close rate is going to be awesome, you know, when it comes to people like that. But what you're really looking for, the question is, what are the activities that lead to generating sales conversations so that you can consistently hit that three a week? number in your business. Um, and that's the key piece that most business owners are not really thinking about. And it's something that I call the 90 day rule. And the 90 day rule is whatever you're doing in your business now is, is actually not going to sprout until 90 days from now. And the yeah. flip of that is if I'm looking at your business now, and let's say it's April, if there is a dip in April, I can guarantee you, you probably weren't doing a lot of putting yourself out there and generating leads and connecting with people in January and February. Because right. that's really how it works is that you've got to be filling your entire next three months up with activities that are gonna lead to sales conversations. And people who are constantly on a cash flow roller coaster are those that usually are not planning. Right? They're not looking at what am I going to be doing in May, June, July, August, September? What activity is going to generate at least 12 sales conversations a month for me and making sure they have that on the calendar? I think this is a critical point. I completely agree with you. And, 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 and when you say it, I realize, you know what, this is exactly, I will have clients who they will, you know, we'll talk and they'll say, well, I'm concerned because I just don't have anything in my pipeline. It's like, okay, well, what are you doing? Well, I, okay, we'll go do, okay. And then all of a sudden they've got stuff in their pipeline. It's like, okay, are you paying attention to this? <laughs> this is like a roller coaster. We need to get this on a consistent, that no matter what else you do, you're doing those things. I really like how you said that because people 
don't necessarily give thought to where did that business come from? Where did that connection come from? What was I doing that got me there? They just look at the end result. Absolutely. I call that uh, magical business thinking, which is that it's the phrase, oh, Monica, I just had the best month ever. It was great. I don't know how it happened, but it was awesome. And I really try to talk my clients out of that kind of language because it's just not true. Like you do know where it came from. And if you don't, write down all the clients that you got and, and, and do the research right. to figure out where it came from. And yeah. there's no real such thing as luck. Like you earned your luck. So for example, right now in my business, I was just thinking yesterday, we've gotten a lot of what I call divide gifts. And what I mean by divide gifts is we've gotten referrals, we've gotten um, people who are interested in you know, buying sponsorships and being clients with us. And I think that's fantastic. And even me, you know, I could have the tendency of going into magical thinking, like I'm so blessed and this is amazing. And I do think it's great to be grateful. Don't get me wrong. But then I paused and I said, Monica, right. You, you know, you've been doing more speaking this year than you've done, you know, almost any other year. You've put yourself out there in every, every single month of this year already. So these things that are coming in, they're a result of your actions. Um, and like, I think that that's so important for entrepreneurs to own when things are going well, it's because of what you did and the, and for sure it gets you out of magical thinking, but what it also allows you to do is make it happen again because now you know you're in control. Right. Right. I, you know, this is why this is so critical because you want to repeat what works. So figure out what works. Yeah. Wow. That, that, is, that is terrific. Thank you. Um, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I have some more questions for you. Great. At, the, at this time, um, Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back by David Averin and Leading Loyalty by Lena Renee. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today, we're speaking with Monica Shaw about creating a breakthrough in your revenue. So let's talk about debt because I am curious about when you think it's appropriate to use debt in your business and when it isn't. (laughs) That's such a great, great question. So first, I'd like to explain a little bit about the way that entrepreneurs should think about that and how to let go of the fear around it. So I, I, I have this analogy and that is that entrepreneurs are like wizards and non-entrepreneurs are like muggles. Now, if you don't know that metaphor, it's from Harry Potter. And in Harry Potter, all the wizards are wizards and all of the non-magical folk are muggles. Now, the reason I say that is because it's important 
to understand the difference between being a wizard and being a muggle, being an entrepreneur and being a non-entrepreneur. So when back when your great, great grandparents were, were like living their lives and working their jobs, they might be making $20,000 a year. And then they might get a raise every two year of say 10% if they were lucky. And so during that time in their lifetime, if they did not live within their means of that 22,000 and 24,000 each year, they would accumulate debt, debt to the grocery store, debt to the hardware store, debt to their neighbors that might've helped them in some way, but debt. And if they died with that debt, then their daughters and their sons would accumulate that debt and have to pay it off. And so it became that you never, that, so that sort of belief system of never accumulating debt started from there. Um, and, and, and for sure, not being able, dying with your debt was a horrible, horrible thing. And many of us were downloaded or taught that message, never accumulate debt, debt is horrible, debt is shameful, uh, if you have debt, you're a bad person. It means that you don't know how to live within your means. And it's, it's an awful thing. And it came from that fear set. So it's important to know where it came from. But the thing to understand is that as a muggle, a non-entrepreneur, you are living in, on a set income level. So it means that you are never going to make the leap to, to, uh, make go from a $20,000 salary to a $60,000 salary to a $100,000 salary. So therefore, there's no way for you to be able to pay that debt back. As an entrepreneur, that is completely not the case. You have no upside to your income. And in fact, that's the whole point of being in entrepreneurship is to be able to sizably grow your revenue every year and to be able to make leaps so that you can pay the debt off. So, one of the, so that's the first piece I like to go over is to really let go of the shame around holding debt because it's not the same shame at being an entrepreneur as it is otherwise. So when it comes to debt, yeah. So when it, com when it comes to debt, the thing about having debt as an entrepreneur is that you're often going to accumulate debt in the first three to five years of your business. For a lot of businesses, it takes at least a year, if not three years. Um, if you're a brick and mortar, sometimes as much as five years to even break even in your business, right? So, so that means that you're going to be living off of debt or living off of some amount of borrowed money while you're growing and building your business. And the key is to keep generating more and more revenue and be able to make those leaps so that by the time you get to year four or year six in your business, you're able to go back and pay off sizable chunks of that debt um, as long as you're not being extravagant in your expenses. And that's sort of how it rolls in, in business and how to think about it. Now, on a simplistic level, how to think about debt is now that you kind of understand to release the shame around it and you understand that you might not be able to pay it off right away, then the question is, well, when do you use debt? And I'll tell you that um, in growing my business, like I would not have been able to grow my business without using debt. 
to be able to do things that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. So for example, I used credit cards. Credit cards was my debt, right? It was my business leverage. It was my business loan in getting started. Um, and I used it to do things like pay for a hotel before my first live event. I never would have been able to do that otherwise if I didn't have debt to pay for that hotel. I used it to bring on a high-level coach before I was making a ton of money. Um, otherwise, I would never have been able to bring her on. I used that to be able to pay for um, assistance before I actually had uh, the benefit of having free enough hours that I could make the money to be able to pay all that off. So I, I recommend that if you're going to take risks in your business that to, to grow your business, that you do use that to do that because it might be the only way for you to grow it. And the thing that you have to be aware of though, is that any risk that you take in your business, you do have to create a plan for yourself that you're going to generate the revenue to be able to pay that off within 12 to 24 months of when you get into it. Now, having said that, I will tell you over and over again that I have taken risks in my business that didn't pay off. Right, so I did a $25,000 sponsorship that didn't pay off because there were some issues that happened at the event and I had to come back and launch a whole new program in, able to, in order to be able to pay for it. So it's, I'm not saying that it has to be a sure bet every time, but I would like you to have an idea of what to do to pay it off, no matter how it works out. And much of that is related to selling, right? Learning how to sell so that you can generate the revenue. And I think that's what people don't talk about as much is there's a real direct connection to sales and debt. <laughs> and the connection is this, if you know how to sell, then you're never gonna be afraid of your debt. If you don't know how to sell, debt is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, that's so great. That, it is such a good point. Because you can always sell your way out of debt. <laughs> um, um, uh, you can always sell your way out of, you know, decisions that didn't work out. But if you don't know how to sell, then it just feels like this mountain that you're never going to climb. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What is your slowdown solution? So the slowdown solution is um, one of the things that I do with my clients is is that on every class that I teach with them, I have something called the Rise Business Academy. And I teach um, all of the basics of business there. And on every class, I start the class by asking a series of journaling questions. Things that just, things, questions on, on, on that kind of bring up a deeper part of who you are. Questions like, have you, how have you ever, how are your parents received support? And have you ever received support? And asking those sorts of questions allows people to have what I call inspiration moments or breakthrough moments. And what that led to is my clients asking me to sort of be able to put those, all those questions together. And that's why I created uh, the 10 minute pause. And the 10 minute pause is every single week, every entrepreneur should be pausing for 10 minutes and just writing um, and journaling. And so what I did is I put all of these exercises into my book um, and it's called pause 52 questions that lead to more time and money. Uh, and that is where, and it just gives people a chance, like a workbook. It's a workbook that you can work through to take the 10 minute pause every week. And you can find that on my website. Um, you can go to pause the book 
com, or just go to my website at revenuebreakthrough.com. Wow, that's great. Thank you for that. Awesome. So if someone's listening and they're, this is resonating with them, they're struggling with money, they're, you know, sort of feeling, uh, you know, overwhelmed or whatever, what is, is like one thing you would tell them for them to be able to start getting themselves past their, what, you know, that, that noise that's in their head? Around money. Yeah. Um, one thing I would tell them to do, well, you know, we talked a lot about the money mindset piece. So I would just to give another angle to things, uh, I would do something that is concrete. Uh, and that concrete thing is that activity is called revenue tracking. So it's something that I still do today. I find that my business does like tremendously well when I revenue track and when I don't revenue track, I get distracted. Um, it's an amazing way to have you focus on revenue. So what you do is you take a piece of paper, you number the piece of paper one through 31, and that stands for the days of the month. And then every time you bring money in, you put it next to the day of the month. So if it's, so if it's the fifth of the month and you brought in $500, you would write $500 next to the number five. If it's the 29th of the month and you brought in $200, you would put $200 next to the number 29. And then you add those numbers up as you're going down the revenue tracker sheet and you tally it up. At the top of the sheet, you put your revenue goal for the next 60 days or the next 90 days, depending on you know, what, you're, what you're doing. And your goal is to keep looking at these numbers to see, oh, where am I? How far am I away from this goal? And what it does is it gives you a wake up call because if it's the 15th of the month and your goal was $6,000 and you're only at two, you can say, Hey, you know what? This week I really need to focus on making sales calls and following up with people and reaching out to that person at the networking event that was interested in it. And it really helps you keep the eye on the prize. And I find that so many entrepreneurs have really great intentions at the beginning of the month. Like this month, I'm going to do this. I'm going to generate this amount of money and I'm going to get this many clients. I'm going to sell this many products. And then things, you just get distracted. Like the, your mom gets sick and then a kid gets sick and then a cat gets sick. And the next thing you know, it's the end of the month and you haven't hit that revenue goal. And we can start to tolerate that over and over again, just not hitting our goals. It starts to eat away at our confidence. It starts to eat away at our attention. Integrity. It starts to eat away at our trust in ourselves. And this is one of those ways to remedy that and start to bring peace back into your business again and also focus and clarity back into your business again. Yeah, that's, that's terrific. That is a great idea. I love that. It, it's it's um, um, sort of embracing the idea of earning money, which can help change how people are feeling, you know, when you can actually see when it's coming in, you're, you're having a more realistic conversation with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. This is so great. And that is so great. And so will you tell the listeners how they can find you and, and what you've got going on and, you know, how they could uh, get in touch with you if they wanted to continue the conversation with you? Sure. Yeah. So the, the one question that I always get when I talk about this is Monica, you talked about, you know, needing three sales conversations a week, but you didn't tell me how to get them. Like, what are the activities that I need to do to get them? Because, you know, usually people are like, yeah, 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 I need that, but I don't know how to get it. 
So I've created a resource that explains that. And I want to make sure that I offer it to your listeners. It's what I call my money-making marketing calendar. And it has the nine revenue-generating activities that you need to be doing in your business. And it has how frequently you need to be doing them every day, every week, every quarter, every month or every quarter. Um, and it allows you to fill in the blank for yourself to print it out as a resource that you can uh, check off every Friday to keep you focused on the goal. Um, so if you want to pick that up, you go to revenuebreakthrough.com front slash marketing calendar, revenuebreakthrough.com front slash marketing calendar. And that would be the first step to really connect in with us at Revenue Breakthrough and to really start to focus on creating sustainable income for you and for your family. And then if you want to reach out to us directly, if you're struggling in your business or you'd like to set up a conversation, please reach out to us at support at revenuebreakthrough.com. And then I also just want to invite you to join us. We do two videos a week, uh, a money healing video and a make more money video in our Facebook group. And you can join our Facebook group at revenuebreakthrough.com front slash FB group, Facebook group, front slash FB group. Wow, that's great. Thank you for that. Those are awesome. And guys, you know what? I highly encourage you to get involved in this conversation and get yourself past any, any, you know, bad stories you've got going on with money because it's how you end up getting to success and that breakthrough that, that Monica was talking about. So Monica, thank you. Listeners, thank you. I would also like to thank our sponsor. If you would like to get a free trial of audible.com as well as a free audiobook, you can go to, www.audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.